The only place in the world in which political correctness has, in my opinion, certain merit and reason for existence is Greater China. Mm. Uh, because we want to keep on living with comfort. Yeah, 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 you know? Correct. You guys were just saying about how uh, we are back to the realization of living in a very nice city that is very comfortable. Yeah. And even though a lot of people had the fantasy of living in the city, I was the first one. Yeah. We've all had that. Yeah, lesson. I'm not gonna go anywhere, yeah. man. Yeah. You're no. like, then you take the MTR again, and then you're like, oh no, this is pretty bad. <laughs> Land in the in the airport, <laughs> yeah. get to the city, uh, get to your home in like an hour, yeah. which is crazy. So, um, <laughs> be sure that I'm gonna clip this part. And I'm going to tag Hong Kong government and John Lee because he says <laughs> that we need to tell good stories about true, Hong Kong. True, so we can get Taylor Swift here, right? Ah, <laughs> maybe we should get a Taylor Swift in the podcast. I actually have a number and I'm seeing it when she can come. Your schedule is very busy. Yeah, I can make an exception for her though. Oh, yeah, I'll, make a, I'll, I'll, I'll move around the trips. I'll move around the trips. Yeah, there you, go. Um, well, you know, it's, it's very funny to observe how certain media outlets are working this dangerous path of informing people in Hong Kong. For me, uh, and uh, this is a potential uh, guest for the podcast, uh, the editor of Hong Kong Free Press. Ah, I know him. He's amazing. The guy with, yeah. the, with the red hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if Tom. you see how he narrates the, the reality, he's very smart into not putting himself in a vulnerable position even though he's the only one yeah. making difficult questions yeah. Yeah. uh so you know uh even though we have never talked in person uh hats off to you because i think it's very yeah. you know uh, difficult and uh and courageous because i'm sure that some people will try to you know press his buttons anyway guys uh, as i said before welcome to the last meeting of the week uh, normally we were supposed to do this on a friday but you know we are flexible and fluid and versatile and it's sunday yeah. so you can it's friday somewhere no it's not friday somewhere in the world anymore no not anymore <laughs> no, maybe, maybe a few hours ago it was um this is also a podcast that had to be done long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we were scheduled for November, something like that. Yeah. But then I was sick. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, as I said before yesterday, uh, in, the, in, our, in our call, um, I'm very happy because, you know, I believe we have improved quite a bit. Uh, we've solved a few glitches of the, of the workflow. And... Um, we, I don't know, feel more comfortable and have more fun doing what we're doing. And uh, at the beginning, even though we have a lot of friends in common and I know your wife and, and I've, you know, uh, Filippo has talked to, uh, to me about you, uh, it's the first time we, we see each other face to face. So I prefer that the lab rats were actually my friends that I love <laughs> and I thank for the first five episodes. Uh, but now we're here and you have a lot of things that I'm interested in. Um, we share, as, as far as I know, two big interests, mm-hmm. aerospace mm-hmm. and 
sustainability. A lot of people don't know this because I it's been so long ago that I forget about it. But when I had to write my final thesis on, on, on the uni, I wrote it about feasibility of uh, mini eolic uh, installations. <laughs> and it was a heartbreaking study because at the end of the day, the conclusion was, yeah, with this you know, legal, uh, legal frame, it's never gonna happen in Spain. Mm. And I don't think, I don't think the, the legislation changed there, but for me, it was, it was the only uh, different line that one could take in the industry, you know, mm -hmm. apart from just designing things that, you know, flew farther away, mm -hmm. faster, consuming less, which mm -hmm. is pretty much, and, and have more people in it, which mm -hmm. is what you want on an airplane. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to talk about sustainability a lot, uh, which is also a very difficult topic mm -hmm. because uh, there is a lot of, th there is, in my opinion, a super important um, base to, to define, to understand, and to even uh, try to push and defend. But then on top of that, there is a big layer of BS or bullshit, because <laughs> I don't care about you know the algorithm canceling my videos, <laughs> which, by the way, they have already, but that's an a different topic. Um, and I want to debunk some of, this, uh, some of this, these myths. Disclaimer, if I ask some difficult questions uh, and I appear to be an skeptical, it will be because I want to put myself uh, in the chair of uh, that uh, person that doesn't believe, sure. that uh, really uh, only perceives the bullshit and not and cannot see through the real the real possible solutions and the importance of the topic, uh, because I think it would be important to try to get to the core of it. But you know, before uh, anything else and without any any more delay. Uh, I want to introduce to you Oliver Haas. Oliver Haas, no, Oliver Haas. Uh, thank you for being Actually, here. Oli Haas. Oli Haas. Yeah. Sorry. Is only the name I get used uh, that that is used when I get told off, like by my mom or <laughs> you know by my wife. So. Ah, that's your wife. That's yes, your yeah. wife. Okay, Oli. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. No, it's a very good. good. It's a very cool name, Oliver. Eh? Mm -hmm. I I I always like the na the name Oliver. I in in uh, there was these cartoons uh, in uh, from Japan. Do you remember uh, Benji and Oliver? Yeah, yeah. Yes, Capitan Subasa. And for me, Oliver was the coolest name since I was maybe three years old. Really? Wait, I don't know this cartoon. There's a football one. Yeah, that they used in, in which the field was this shape, the uh, the shape of a, of a hill. You know, they were running and, you know, they ran for 10 kilometers and, you know, they finally, they score a goal, but they don't. And he was always very passionate. Anyway. I'm going to have to check this out. Yeah. So this is this is what carries the coolness of my name is this Japanese show. Yes. And I like okay. it so much that actually my, the, my daughter's name is Olivia, which is ah, very ah, close. Sweet. Yes. Nice. And I call it Oli too. Good name. So, you know. Yes. Um, <laughs> anyway, how have you been, Oliver? Good. Good, good, good. No, I'm super happy to be here. As said, you know, we were meant to do this in November, I guess. Um, and then got sick life happened christmas all the stuff but uh i've super been looking forward to it like for the listeners right we've had this whatsapp stream going and always trying to find that little time and then when we finally found the moment i think we all jumped up and we're like yes okay good sunday it is uh so i'm super happy to be here yeah. good 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 so before uh, anything else i think it is very it would be very constructive if you just told everyone uh, who you are a little bit where you come from what is your background in order to let's say channel the story and the questions uh, sure going from that sounds good yeah so um 
thanks for that. And let me just say once again, this is I, I like doing this. Thanks for having me here, guys. I think I love I love what you're doing. Um, I've talked a lot already as we were just preparing for this. How much I love the creator movement. We can talk about that more. Um, but I just love being in this space, and I love what you guys are doing. Um, okay, so my story. Let's see. My name is Ollie. I like long walks on the beach. No, that's not. How I'll start. Is I'm, I'll start that. I'm half Austrian and half Ugandan, uh -huh. um, and this is a very kind of defining part of, of my story. I guess, you know, I, I was fortunate enough always to live uh, and, and grow up in two with, with a perspective of two very different parts of the world, uh, but also to understand that those two parts of the world are very similar sometimes, okay. right? Um, I sort of one very defining thing to explain about me is that I have been obsessed by planes since I was like five years old. I always wanted to be a pilot. Um, and then I started getting a little bit more uh, interested and conscious of uh, what I sort of call bigger picture issues and opportunities in the world, you know, sustainability things, international development. That was became my focus really in sort of university, end of high school. And then for a long time, this was like, you know, as still today am the world's biggest hypocrite because I loved planes, like the five-year-old in me loved planes, and I started caring a lot about sort of sustainability and bigger things. Um, and it took me much longer than I'd admit to uh, understand that actually I can bring those two things together. Yep. Um, and that's sort of very much what, uh, you know, kind of my career and also a big part of my life is focused on right now um, is, is really exploring the intersection between sustainability and aviation. Um, and to round myself out as you know, not just a work introduction, uh, I love old school hip hop, I love colorful shirts, and uh, I love every form of carbohydrate. It is. Uh, who do you who do you choose? Let's start with a uh, controversial questions. Who do yeah. you choose, Notorious B.I.G. or Tupac? This is a very controversial question. Um, I'm generally a little bit more a fan of West Coast hip hop, um, but I, you know, I, I I'll give both kings their respect. <laughs> I'm a diplomat too. Come on, <laughs> you need to choose one at least. I'll choose otherwise, I'll otherwise, choose, I'll otherwise, choose biggie. No I'll one choose is biggie in this case. Which is big in this case. <laughs> can I say something? I, and I, I, I could have... I can take your answer and do copy and paste and say the same thing. I'm super West Coast, actually, because I lived in, the, in LA when I was little. Yeah. But, you know, Tupac was a badass, was, was an alpha male, but if you just close your eyes and listen to the lyrics, Notorious was the shit, man. I, it's a different story. It's just a different fucking level. Um... I, you, you said two things that, are, that before we get into aviation and the hypocrisy, because I, I love hot topics. <laughs> you mentioned Uganda, Austria. Yeah. In, uh, I, I love that you said that they are very similar. Yeah. I would love to know in which way. Yeah. And how did you divide your life between both places? Where did you live mainly? So I, I, I grew up, I was born and I grew up in Austria. Okay. Um, but my mom and actually my dad too, my, my parents were both very conscious about raising us as Austrian Ugandans, right? So we were always very conscious of our Ugandan heritage and we'd go there, you know, once every year, once every two years, depending. Um, our grandparents were there. Um, and then, you know, eventually my, later on my sister moved there. So we had a really strong anchor and would go back frequently. Um, the ways that they're different is, you know, Vienna, I think, again, this year got voted as, like, the world's most livable city. It is, is an incredible city. It is absolutely picturesquely beautiful. It has culture dripping from, you know, every corner. Um, it's practical, right? I always describe it as being, like, 
big enough to be a cosmopolitan city and small enough to be practical get to get around. Yes. It's incredible. Like every flower bed in the middle of any random road is beautifully taken care of. Um, but Austrians are not generally known for being the warmest and, uh, you know, and, and openly, uh, most openly friendly people in the world. Um, so flip that to, uh, to Kampala, which is sort of my other home, I guess, is, you know, a, a classically, you know, sprawling city, lacking a lot of infrastructure and, you know, cer certainly a developing city. Um, but it is one of the warmest and most inviting cultures you'll ever see in the world. Right. So that's like the kind of interesting, ironic, obvious differences. Uh, and then the way I sort of perceive them as being very similar is, you know, no matter whether you go to a small town in rural Austria or a small town in rural Uganda, like the 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 foundation of the gossip is the same, right? Like it's uh -huh. all it's all we're in the end we're all just human. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You mentioned that you, your sister is back in Uganda now. No, she she had moved back there for I think almost uh, it was I think it's over ten years, um, but she recently moved to Hong Kong. All right. Yeah, yeah, she moved to Hong Kong uh, just about half a year ago now. All right, yeah, super which cool. Is amazing, yeah. so but I have my sister here. If if you have to, let's say, call one place home, or if imagine that there is no need to work, no need to do anything, uh, and looking at the next forty years, and w and you know everything that has to do with uh, society, uh, economics, uh, opportunities, well-being. Which one would you go to? E, that's a hard question. Here, I, I gave you, I, I, I caved in to give you a Biggie or Tupac, but here I will fundamentally, I'll hold to the fact that these are both my homes. All this right. is how I was raised was always to, I will always answer when someone's like, oh, where are you from? I'll always say I'm from Austria and Uganda. It's definitely both my spaces. Now, the other thing that's in your question that's interesting is, if I were to pick the place to be for the next, I don't know where it would be. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it's, a, it's the, million, the world, right? It's the million dollar question. It's a million dollar question. Exactly. I met I met a gentleman in Modena. My wife is from Modena. Yeah. A uh, few years back, and he would spend every year six months in Uganda. Uh, he went there for uh, twenty five years ago to do certain business that I don't know of. Yeah. Uh, and he lo he loved it so much that he decided to spend half a year there and he would only go back to Italy because his family was in Italy. Uh, he was super in love with his life over there. Now this is this is this is this was my angle because I thought you were I thought you might you might have said Uganda because you know I have a very pessimistic view on what will happen to Europe in the next 20, mm. 30 years. Mm. Uh, and I'm trying to look for uh, suggestions on where to move next. Well, I mean, one suggestion which goes against many things I believe in, because, you know, I'm not a big fan of, of cruise ships as a principle, and I'm not a big fan of tax evasion. But there's uh, there's this ship, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, there's this like ship that like rich people can step on. It's like a, basically a tax evasion cruise. So it never spends enough time in any given jurisdiction to trigger, uh, you know, any any given respective tax law. So you can just live on this cruise ship and basically encircle the world, uh, you know, year oh, in, year out. So I think that's maybe a suggestion <laughs> that yeah, know, has a lo I, um, has a logical uh, has a logical uh, basis to it. But uh, it's probably on, one uh, of the most awful places you could live in as well. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> uh, uh, no, okay. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. I wanted to check it out on the internet because I think it would have been fantastic to find it. To <laughs> find, we'll it. find I don't it think. Maybe. I don't think I have 
enough money to access this, this small list. Just, yeah, it just yeah but I would, I would, I would certainly look into it. You're not the target population, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I've never been on a cruise ship. I find yeah. them horrendous. Yeah. It's one of those things that, that I believe to be extremely untasteful. Uh, how, how, how do you end up hating everyone that is on that cruise after only six months? Imagine just living there. Literally. Also, cruise ships are basically the only thing that are worse to travel on than a plane, right? So environmentally, they're also awful. Worse yeah. than a plane? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean... You yeah, move I a see. lot of people, but it's still just relatively speaking the amount of energy you're putting in to move those people. Plus the fact that most cruise ships are just... It's, it's like a pleasure thing, right? So you're not like functionally moving people from A to B. It's... Uh, yeah. It's yeah, it's great. like if you took maybe, I don't know, 15, 15 days on holidays and you just spend it on business class. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. But, you know, as a feat of engineering, they still fascinate me, right? When I see a cruise ship in a harbor, I think it's like, it, it's insane, right? Like this thing, uh, you know, I have an engineering background, you yep. do as well, right? It's like you sort of understand the fundamental principles, but still when you see a massive cruise ship, you're like, how, how, how's that thing floating, right? <laughs> like it just, it's crazy. And then you see the inside pictures of them with the big atriums and the the massive theaters and this kind of stuff. And you're like, I just don't understand. Water fucking parks. Yes. yes. They have water parks, Correct. Correct. which is, t- yeah. anyway, uh, so it's good that I had, I had never thought of, of a cruise ship because it's, it's never on my, on my radar as something against sustainability, but, uh, it, I mean, it, it is kind of, it is, it is kind of obvious. Yes. Um, but since, since we did a segue into the topic, I believe that one of the problems for uh, mainstream media, social media, and everyone um, conscious in this world is that we don't define things uh, properly. Mm -hmm. So we use words, Mm -hmm. and if you ask people what does it really mean, um, we have a hard time. So how can we define sustainability in a broad way first to then narrow it down to go into detail? So, okay, so like the kind of classic definitions always roll around something about um, sustainability being like our ability to uh, sort of thrive uh, and continue thriving in the future, right? But the way that, actually the way that I really internalize sustainability, and you know, this again is slightly out of character. I should stop disclaiming. Maybe this just means it's in character. It's very egoistic. Is actually sustainability is about us. Right. Often when you think about sustainability, you're like, oh, it's like us and nature and like we've got to protect nature. We've got to protect the planet. And there's this this sort of this sort of relationship to thinking about, um, you know, humans and then this 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 environment or ecosystem around humans. But actually, ultimately, sustainability, as we think about it and define it, is about our survival on this planet. That's it. Yeah. Right. If you want to ask me one sentence, it's about our survival on this planet. The planet will survive. Right. Yes. Sure. If we heat it too high, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of a, a, a number of endangered species disappear, and we change our ecosystem, and you know, or we just obliterate ourselves in nuclear war, like the the point is, the planet as it as it exists will still stand, right? And it'll recorrect, and it'll reestablish, and it'll regrow, and it'll regenerate, and it'll do all the beautiful things that it's done, actually, uh, you know, in in its history, right? So sustainability ultimately is a very selfish principle, right? It is about our survival on this planet. Yes. Or our survival as a species if you subscribe to uh, 
you know, our ability to uh, also colonize other planets. Yes, I'm a little bit of a speciesist in a sense that I, th I think it's very important what you said. When, when you focus on the planet, and uh, some people, I think, they do it on a, with a virtue signaling, I hate virtue signaling, mm -hmm. uh, philosophy. It's, you know, I'm being altruistic, I don't care about myself, you know, I just the trees and the beach and everyone. No, 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 no. My view is, imagine that you have a family and you have, uh, you know, there's not going to be food for 10 years and you have a warehouse in which you have supplies mm. for you and your family and maybe, you know, the next generation for 10 years and you have enough. Mm. But then you decide to, th to throw a party one day and you spend fucking half of it. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 that's, that's one way in which yeah. we could see sustainability. Yeah. I like the definition of using resources today to meet our need without compromising our survival for the future. Yeah. So again, it's, it's a matter of, uh, of uh, it's a matter of meeting our needs without uh, putting at danger the needs of the future. So yeah. Right. I'm, I'm aligned with you. Right. But, uh, and again, I think that the kind of operative word there is our. Right. Yeah. We're, this is kind of uncomfortable sometimes for us to, to admit, especially within the context of discussion of sustainability. But it is entire that 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 is actually a, a, a self-centric statement. Right. And, and I think the yeah. problem with a self-centered statement, sorry, the green movement for long is yeah. being the humanization of the world, like yeah. treating the world. Oh, we need to protect the world. No, yeah. no, it should be more inward looking. We need yeah. to think about ourselves and yes. how we can thrive and thrive also means you know, um, being more resourceful in the future, like Completely. and being in a sustainable way. So that's that's a topic very interesting, uh, which clashes a little bit, in my view, with the degrowth movement mm -hmm. that I oppose, like they are mm -hmm. not fully aligned, mm -hmm. and uh, it's, uh, it's 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 very interesting. Mm -hmm. no, I love it. We will. Um, I'm very. I'm very interested in the in talking about the degrowth, but we we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, so okay, in a, in a, in a narrow way, I think we we have set a definition at least in mm -hmm. this room in this table mm -hmm. that we can work with. Um, then, what different aspects uh, we should focus more when it comes to sustainability? Let's say you 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 yesterday on the phone you you made. A, a categorization that yeah. for me was very interesting. What do we want to use that? Do we want to, let's say, separate maybe in, you know, other different segments? Sure. Like, yeah, so I can kind of introduce that too. I think like, you know, ultimately it's it's kind of what Filippo was saying, right? It's our, it's our relationship to, you know, yes, the ecosystem that we exist in and the resources that we use from the ecosystem, right? That's the kind of flowery big definition, but I, I, I hold to it, right? It's like we are, we give and we take mm -hmm. this ecosystem and it's about that relationship, right? And then I think, you know, if you sort of look at maybe kind of colloquial understanding of sustainability, plus I added in here a lens of like design as we were discussing yep. about design yesterday. I feel like, you know, we sort of progressed from thinking about sustainability as a very like material thing, mm. right? Like what are things made of? How are things made, mm. right? And we've sort of certainly developed that into a thinking more at kind of stakeholders and services, right? It's like, okay, things are more about more than just products. Similar to if we, if we, if I track this like in design, right? We, s we thought, started thinking about the iPhone at the beginning. Then we started thinking about all the services that exist around the iPhone. We started thinking about Airbnb and Uber and these are not, these are not product things. They're a higher order. And now we're sort of at the stage really, I think in, in both realms, in the design realm and the sustainability realm, where we're thinking about systems, 
right? Is like, how do we design better systems? Um, and that's not only um, from the perspective of sustainability, but that it also exists in the perspective of like, of design and and uh, and, and engagement, right? So, so I, I kind of like to think about this progression, or you kind of describe it as a pyramid as well. Um, yesterday, which is moving on from just thinking about the kind of material impacts of things to really, you know, today we think about the kind of system level impacts, right? Yes. I like your question because you said, let's try to prioritize what is sustainability. Yeah. What we talk about right now is environmental sustainability. Yeah. We have not mentioned to define social sustainability. Yes. Right. So it's like when you do a social transition from um, carbon Real carbonization. Then this has an impact on people that rely on carbon and work in them. Huge. So you see, sustainability is so complex. There are so many points. How do we do? We need to prioritize though. Do we need to think that there are topics within sustainability that are more important than others? I think that's something also quite interesting. It is a really interesting question. Like. This is maybe not the best way to answer it, but let me just like kind of start it for the sake of conversation, right? I've thought about this exact question a lot from like, say the perspective of my own career, mm. right? I'm like, okay, objectively, if I care about these things and like, let's say, you know, I have the privilege of having tools and experiences to also try to like address some of these things, where do I start? What's the most important thing? What's the highest priority I should work on, right? And like, that's like not, I don't know that that's necessarily the best way to approach the problem, right? Like. If I give that objective answer, if I say I'm an engineer that cares about sustainability, probably the answer is something to do with investing my time in development of renewable energy, okay. right? This is kind of the underlying fabric. Any, any solution effectively we need in a, in a relatively industrialized economy to continue relies on having, uh, uh, <laughs> in many cases, an infinite supply of renewable energy, right? And so you're like, cool, that's probably objectively where I should uh, you know, direct my energy. But I also believe that, you know, you, you do your best work at the intersection of, you know, what's important, uh, you know, what you care about, what you're good at. And, you know, I know, Filippo, you have an interesting definition on, on passion, but let me just use that word for a second and say, you know, what you're passionate about. And so I think to me, sustainability is not necessarily only about this idea of like ultimate prioritization of what is the biggest thing we need to do and let's do that first. It's about being able to adopt the principles of, you know, of, of, of prioritizing sustainability in anything that we do, right? Yes. If you're a baker, you know, go and go and adopt the principles there, right? If you run a big bad oil and gas company, start thinking about the principles there too, right? It exists. Uh, the, the 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 sort of that idea of relationship with our ecosystem, our resources, our environment, um, society, communities that that needs to transcend everything we do. Right, so I don't necessarily think about it as just a prioritization game. Right? It is very interesting, and I'm I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want to bring this topic because I think it has relevance to what you were saying. I during our phone conversation yesterday night, I mentioned that if I care about sustainability, the ma the main reason for it is that I think is basic politeness, just respect to to whoever is next to you. Um, when I was a small kid, my parents, I remember, it's still somewhere in my library in Spain, they gave me a, a good of good manners. What, what, how, how you should behave on the table, how you should yeah. behave when talking to someone older. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, th 
I think is the most beautiful thing that you can do because when you have good manners, good manners is no other than you know societal code to show respect to the other. Yeah, and to and to uh, not overpass someone's boundaries. Yeah. The problem is that you know because of a way more interconnected interconnected world that we live in, those boundaries have been redefined, and of course the dangers, the challenges are new. For whatever reason at least I'm not aware of, there is not a 21st century version of that good manners book mm -hmm. of how should we behave mm -hmm. to be respectful to one another. Mm -hmm. uh, I think nowadays we, we, we confuse being connected to actually l being a member of society, mm -hmm. being civil. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be very interesting to try to uh, write, and I throw this challenge because maybe we could do it together, when because we have a lot of free time eh? yeah, to, to write to write a code of good manners in 2024 the, the good manners of 2030 how we would we, we would like our kids to behave not because they want to say hey you know i'm i'm nice because you know i do these things and yeah. i'm gonna uh, post them there no you do them without posting because it's just the way you need just to behave this this I, you know, I like this idea you introduce is like kind of you know manners it, it exists on a it's like a social code it's a thing we all agree on Yes. Right. And you're right that it, we don't maybe have that social code when it comes to the topic of sustainability, right? Is like there's there's fundamental things we all understand, right? But also I think a huge part of the problem is that we are increasingly disconnected from this ecosystem that we're meant to be very conscious of how we're using and how we're engaging with, right? Yes. Um, and I don't, I'm not suggesting you know, I, I'm like you, Filippo, right? I don't believe in the degrowth movement in the sense that, you know, I don't believe we should all just become, uh, you know, kind of hippie farmers and, uh, and, and move back to the pasture, right? Um, that's not what I mean about reconnecting with their ecosystem. But, you know, we live now in a kind of chicken nugget society where, like, you, there's so many layers between what we consume, what we use, how we, th that and the, the resource or the system or the natural principle that it came from that like it's very easy to lose that code of manners, right? Yes. Because you don't even, ah, if I don't pick up the plastic wrapper on the street, like I don't think about the, you know, the, the high systemic implications of what that means along the line, right? Like I don't, I don't have that relationship. I don't need to care, right? I live in this super comfortable like industrial society where I don't need to care about that. Yeah, I don't know. You, you, you find situations when, when there is not a general code and only just, you know, uh, plastic straw campaigns uh, that make you feel good. Uh, I see some very weird paradoxes around me. So yep. there is this, there is this girl that one time uh, follow started following me uh, a couple of months ago on Instagram. I'm not going to say the name. I don't really know her, but you know, I followed back. Uh, she does photography, and and uh, you know, I did follow her back. And I have been seeing how she's extremely conscious uh, when it comes to social problems, yeah. uh, and how and how how much she thinks about the equilibrium of this planet is crazy. But she's been to Bali four times this year. Yeah, she went back and forth four times this year. Yeah. This is this is what really I, I I don't know if you saw the color of my skin yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. because I feel I, I became a little bit redder yeah. and I, I and this is what you know um, it, it, to me it pisses me off and I think it makes a lot of people 
feel like, okay, that is the um, narrative of someone that I cannot respect because they're full of shit. Yeah. Uh, solving this conundrum is, yeah. uh, is, 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 I think, it's the, the huge the huge challenge that we need to solve our generation more than you know finding the renewable energy there will be all an elon musk that has more resources to do that than us we need to focus on the small maybe so you know yeah i i i hugely agree with you i call it the kale salad problem right it's like yeah i you know i have kale salad every lunch but then i go to bali uh, six times a year for my retreat right like that's the that's the this 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 conundrum that you present and this paradox you present right and like to be honest I'm not going to sit on a pedestal here, right? I am part of that paradox, right? Is I, I do things to try and live more sustainably in my life, right? Mm -hmm. I cut down a lot of my meat consumption. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, trying in every realm that I can to control some of the elements that I have. For instance, in uh, in Hong Kong, you can buy renewable energy certificates through your through your energy supplier. But like, there's that that's laced in all sorts of controversies as well. We can undo that. But you know, I also love stepping on a plane, right? Yep. Um, I'll talk specifically what I'm, what, what sort of my view is on on the paradox in aviation. But like, I think there's there's maybe to simplify it, two types of people within that paradox, right? They're the ones who are aware and the ones that aren't aware. Yep. I don't know who's worse, right? I don't know whether it's worse if you're aware that your four flights to Bali are your actual environmental crime and you still take it, or whether you know you are. You're so wrapped up in your, um, you know, in your in your kind of like lentil vegan diet that you and you don't know you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know that actually the biggest issues in your life are your uninsulated house and your, uh, you know, and 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 the premium economy flights that you step on, right? Yeah. I I don't I don't know who who is the better person in that uh, in 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 that spectrum, and I have to entirely admit I'm on I'm a hypocrite in that sense, right? Which is I have high, increasingly high awareness of many of the issues. I think for me, the way that I direct that is, I say, okay, I've got to, I've got to work on them, right? Like yes. I've got to, I've got to work on trying to help fix this stuff, right? Um, because fundamentally, and again, we can unpack this a little bit in a second, but like, I, if I take the case of flying, fundamentally, I believe in the values of flying too, right? Yes, let's go to flying because. Yeah. Uh, I, I really wanted to make another question, but we can leave it for the we can leave it for the post data for the for the epilogue of this of this um, episode. But I don't want to wait a minute longer <laughs> without saying the A three fifty. When I was working in Airbus military as an intern, hey, uh, this was yeah, this was no actually I saw the box. So but no, but, okay, okay, but yeah, no yeah, but yeah. I, I can <laughs> I can notice from from the pilot window and yeah. uh, and the shape and you know well the yeah. the wing tips or the lack of wing tips. Yeah. Um, this was about That's to get out. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> You're actually an aerospace engineer, right? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I'm a it's just like another Fernando. <laughs> <that's my life. laughs> I look at the on fire. No, I, I am, I'm the fakest aerospace engineer, and I'm a little bit ashamed. Hey, join the hypocrisy. It's called. No, <laughs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me let me let me share with you and with everyone something that is a little bit embarrassing. When I finally graduated, 
I didn't go to pick up my, you know, the big paper the, with a, you know, nice grammage that they give the saying that you are an aerospace engineer because I felt a little bit ashamed and I didn't give a crap. And they called me after a couple of years, like, you know, you didn't even pick up, you didn't come to the ceremony, you didn't pick up the title. And uh, so, I, so I, I did go to pick up the title and I went home and gave it to my mom and said, you pay for the university, I think it's yours. Because <laughs> I, you keep this. I don't consider myself an aerospace engineer anymore. I do say it every now and then because I think it's cool and uh, it's a very big word, aerospace. And especially in, uh, in Spain, we normally refer to aeronautica because under aeronautica, aeronautical, we, historically everything was you know, in, in, that, in yeah. that group. Now aerospace, because, you know, everyone is looking at it. The space is more famous now. Um, so, yeah, I am, I'm fake, but I like it, and I'm still fascinated. And I like that I understand how these things move. Mm. But uh, I've always seen them as something that they're good for society because they have united the world. But they are an ecological problem. Yeah, so... Uh you know, let me unpack this in a few ways, and all this is going to sound rehearsed and cheesy, but this is entirely true, right? So I fell in love with planes. Basically, this goes back to my story, my Austrian-Ugandan side, right? Yeah. So I fell in love with planes basically on the first flight I can remember, which was a flight to Uganda. It was a British Airways 747. I, like, fell in love with the whole thing. This is the time where you could still enter the cockpit as a kid during the flight, and they'd give you little logbooks and stuff, and I just, like, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever didn't sleep for the whole flight. Um, and I, I remember to like to kind of remember the experience. I, I took everything that was in the little seat pocket in front of me. I took that out and took it with me. And this started this collection of airline magazines and airline timetables I have now, which is like, I think I have over 2,000 from all sorts of different uh, uh, airlines around the world and this kind of stuff. So I, I just become, I started getting obsessed with planes. I had more airline timetables on my bookshelf as a kid than I had actual books. Nice. Um, and sort of as the, as, as kind of, you know, years ago, and I, I think about this problem now is, yes, I fundamentally believe in what, you just, in what you just said, right? If I think about the kind of like tenets of the globalized economy that we live in, I'm not saying globalization is without issue, but it's their tenets I believe in, right? It's like kind of the internet, uh, you know, global shipping and aviation that kind of tie the world together. Um, in, and, and particularly in a time where we're experiencing more and more separation, uh, you know, I think these things can do a lot of good for the world in terms of helping us explore and connect and realize that our two villages halfway across the world are actually the same thing. Um, to me, the thing that gets me up in the morning, and again, this sounds cheesy, but this is absolutely true, is sustainable aviation to me is not fundamentally about getting the kind of rich banker to fly to Hong Kong to Tokyo in a better way. Uh, that's it's a good thing. It's a good side thing. That banker is probably also more willing and able to pay that in the short term. Um, but the way that I think about this is that if you look at, for example, the African continent, right? So 1.2 billion in population or so, endless possibilities, a young population as well. Currently, the entire continent is responsible for 2% of global air traffic, yep. right, 2%. And so once you have uh, a, a more open uh, sort of African um, skies, right, so this, uh, once, you, once you facilitate more flying in, in, in Africa, we could talk about what that means as well. 
um, you're going to see massive growth on that continent. And you're going to see things that don't exist today, which are Air Asia's and Ryanair's, and you're going to see uh, connections, you know, cheaper connections between Kinshasa and, uh, and Johannesburg and Lagos and Nairobi and all sorts of interesting places in between. Um, and to me, that's what it's about, right? Is like, yes, I personally have this love for flying and I want to resolve my own hypocrisy, right? Yeah. Uh, but fundamentally, sustainable aviation to me is in the context also of growth and degrowth is about being able to grow the, the benefits of what this thing lets you do in a way that you know we're not fundamentally uh, ripping the world apart and our ability to survive in it, right? So that's a kind of that that's how I view the puzzle. It's also a very interesting puzzle, right? This this particular like an aircraft, and for those listening, I'm pointing to an aircraft right now. We have no, you can show you can show it to them to the camera. Um, those listening, please just take the just take the phone out of your pocket and, <laughs> and connect <laughs> and to our YouTube, Wi-Fi yeah. because this part <laughs> is extremely interesting. <laughs> no. I mean, not really. I'm just pointing to an aircraft. But <laughs> this thing is also, it's such an interesting, um, it, it tells you about all the challenges of sustainability. And then we can unpack all of these, right? One challenge of, of, of aircraft, of aviation, is that there's no single solution to uh, enabling sustainable aviation, right? We don't have a golden or a silver bullet opportunity that says just switch A to B and then we're all good, right? Um, another thing that I think is hugely fundamental, and this is what I want to talk about a lot too, is you cannot perceive and feel the benefits of sustainable aviation, right? If I make the engines on this A350 25% more efficient, I don't feel that. If I make the aircraft lighter, I don't feel it, right? If uh, and 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 so and so, I think this is actually one of, to me, one of the biggest challenges in sustainability, is we're disconnected from progress. There's a lot of work being done, and actually, Filippo could probably speak to this better than I can, right? On tracking our progress towards sustainability, whether it's at you know company level or you know at at, at, a, at a at a broader level in society. But the real challenge to me is that you can't feel or perceive you know, the outcomes of, of, of what we invest in, you can't feel and perceive the, the benefits. We can't say that we're getting better, right? Mm. And so that's encapsulated also in the challenge of sustainable aviation, right? Is you can't actually feel when you're flying more sustainably, right? I mean, the only, the, 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 the only incentive that airlines really nowadays have, apart from uh, ESG uh, principles that, you know, big companies need to follow, is the cost of fuel. Let's say uh, uh, the the economical part is is the really the only stimuli that uh, can really make companies make Rolls Royce, uh, make make uh, uh, faster engines. That you know, uh, I mean, and, and it is getting better. You know, before we used to we used to uh, go across the Atlantic with four uh, engines. Now yep. it's only two, yep. uh, but still still it's a lot now. What angle can can we take on this? Because at the end of the day, yes, again, we can do things that are not perceivable by the consumer. So they need to be imposed by policy. Yes and no. Like that's the obvious conclusion, and that is that is absolutely true, right? Okay. I think that across. Let me let me move away from planes for just a second, right? There's a whole host of other things that we need to do that fall into the same problem, okay. right? Yes. Like, let me take like the golden example is insulation in your home. Mm -hmm. Like the single best thing. Okay, eat your kale salad, don't fly to Bali, and then the next thing you do is insulate your home, right? That is like the unsexiest possible thing you could think of, 
right? Okay. But insulating your home, buying double pane windows is just fundamentally going to reduce your heating and your cooling load. Uh, heating and cooling uh, or the energy we use to heat and cool is one of the largest single categories of, uh, of contributors to emissions, right? That's like, you just got to do it, right? And similarly, it falls into the same bucket where you're like, well, if I can't really activate a consumer to do it because it's like really unsexy, right? Yes. Um, imagine giving your wife like, I don't know, home insulation as a, as a Christmas gift. Then you're like, okay, well, it must be policy. But I, I think that there are, there are really amazing opportunities in design, in using capitalist forces to try and get people closer to uh, the impact of the decisions they can make. And yes, to make things like insulation more sexy, right? Okay. Um, the, the sort of way I look at the world today is we have, we spent a lot of time arguing about like the fundamental science of sustainability and generally speaking, plus or minus, we all kind of mostly agree now, most major institutions that matter in the world generally agree on the fundamental science, climate change is happening, it's real, great, um, or not great. Uh, we now have more movement at the policy level, right? Mm -hmm. Much more needed, um, much more coordination needed as well between nations. But I feel like what we're missing is that actually sustainability is also one of the most exciting opportunities for this layer in the middle, which is the layer to be just creative, right? Is we need creative, ingenious new solutions. And again, we can use the capitalist machinery that you know sells us and, and, and produces uh, you know, millions of iPhones every year like we th there's i think there's an opportunity to direct that machine at creative solutions in the middle right and we ha we only have very few examples um that people kind of colloquially understand that exist in the middle and you know one of them is is tesla we can unpack that and talk about, about that a little bit yeah no no please yeah. please please continue because uh, i uh, in fact that the the provocation was uh, whether we make the decision of saying okay we really need maybe military uh, force by superior countries yeah meaning that you know uh, if the u.s decides if the 60 percent of the population in the u.s decides that this is something that we care a lot about they have the military to impose everyone uh, or maybe almost everyone here or uh, where, where we are <laughs> maybe would they, they would be a little bit yeah. in disagreement uh, or and that other part is the part that int really interests me so if you if you if, if you had let's say uh, a lot of decision power in your hand. Right. Which are the steps we take now? So, okay, so I, I fun, don't get me wrong. I fundamentally believe in, in the need and the power and the, necess the necessity, I said the need and necessity of policy, right? Of, 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 of the top-down drive, right? Ultimately, that's what's gonna shift the needle, particularly in difficult or unsexy uh, um, topics, um, topics that, that you need to, uh, that, that we need to address sustainability in. But let me, let me take Tesla, for example. My disclaimer to start with, Tesla is not a perfect uh, in environmental actor. Um, most people don't buy Teslas for their environmental credentials. Um, and Tesla, you know, the, the Tesla's initial growth particularly was also fueled by top-down incentives, right? Yes. Tax incentives, et cetera. But I think what's special about Tesla is that it is an example of a thing you can do that feels and sounds and taste is it feels better, right? It yes. feels like you are making you you can you can understand the dis the contribution that you are making as an individual, right, to a, toward a better decision, right? Um, I think Tesla to me now it can cease to exist tomorrow, and it's done its job, right? Which is it was the fly that shook the bull, 
it it changed the industry in the sense it showed you could make a desirable and perform uh, and perform an electric car. And now, if you look at any car show, uh, you know, in the last five years, it's all about like the executives of BMW and Volkswagen standing there, being like, "Oh, we have an electric roadmap too, and we, you know, here's what we're going to do over the next five years." Right? Yes. So they fundamentally showed it was possible. And I think that there's it it is a really interesting example of where kind of top down meets bottom up, right? Yeah. Because um, again, the initial kind of uh, drive, pun intended, towards EVs was in most economies was driven through through incentives, through tax incentives mostly, but also it was a way to engage the, sum- the consumer directly in a decision that is toward sustainability. And it's wrapped in this sexy different body that looks and feels different than other cars at the time, right? That's really cool. And I think it's a kind of, it's a nice template for me to think about in other categories, right? We can talk a little bit what that means, you know, towards uh, towards aviation, but Filippo, Filippo's nodding his head, so I feel like he wants to say something too. I, <laughs> I, I just to cap out comments, yeah. I, I agree with most of what you said uh, about insulation of apartments. We know in Europe right now, because of the crisis with Ukraine and Russia, the bills, energy bills, yes. shoot up in, in, in the past few years. So there was a, um, a lot of us realized our energy bill is so expensive. Yeah. Uh, we need to find different solutions. And now the solar and the other energy are finally cheaper than renewable energy, are cheaper than fossil fuel. It makes sense. It's a market driven choice. So that's my first point. So yeah. even insulation of apartments is sexy. What is not sexy is the externality. Mm. The idea that I, I bought a, cook, a can of Coke today, how is it going to be disposed in the future? I'm not going to see that. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. The, the, last, the, the last point, I really appreciate that you touch upon Tesla and how Tesla approached the issue. They make it sexy, a sustainable product sexy. This is where I have a beef with sustainable meat and lab meat mm. because they are trying to compete with something that they cannot make sexy. You cannot make a vegetarian sexy, a vegetarian burger as sexy as a real one. You need to make different products. There are vegetarians that can compete with a burger, mm. but not the same, um, not the same product. And that's what Tesla did. You said we are gonna make cars better. Mm. Yes. Mm. And by the way, and right? By the way, yeah. It's gonna be sustainable. Yeah. Of course, if you're using the energy that we're going to produce uh, from right. Yes. Yeah. Right. In, fa- in fact, they said this new. Uh, fine dining restaurants that are vegetarian, vegan. They don't do fake meat. They do exactly. new stuff. Yeah. Because we should adapt uh, to uh, different uh, type of diet. It doesn't make any sense to pretend to have um, a substitution to your carnivore diet if you f- to 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 feel better about the planet, about the the animal emissions. You just should eat less meat and 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 change the your 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 mindset, mindset about it. Yeah. So it's true. Like one the. There's, um, I listened to, um, I think it was How I Built This um, with the founder of Impossible Meat. And one little clue helped me understand this game a lot better, right? Which he's, he said the primary target market, at least initially, right, of Impossible Beef was not the vegan. Mm. It was the meat eater, mm. right? And so the, the pitch is that you, if you have the carnivore who is like, you know what? I love my burger. I can't get rid of my burger. 
um, if you provide them an option that says, hey, still have your burger, but you know, here's a more responsible choice. Um, by the way, it's not a health choice by any means, right? This is just technically, systemically more uh, a more environmentally conscious choice. That is their target customer. And the example he gave is, you know, this is how they built traction um, at the time. That traction has dropped now a little bit. Um, but at the time, they built traction in Burger King, right? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's entirely the customer, right? They want to they get the customer who walks into a Burger King. A vegan doesn't really walk into a Burger King, right? A 2024 vegan, at least. Um, and says, you know, I want a more responsible choice in this environment, right? That's kind of what the product is designed for. Of course, then, you know, they need to grow their market and they need to make investors happy. And I think that that message spreads further and wider and says, hey, you know, buy your impossible meat at the supermarket now and use it in your everyday cooking. Um, but the genesis of it was as, a, as an alternative for meat eaters. And I think that actually is quite interesting to me, right? Um, as a as a solution product in that space. Another problem that I see, and I I I, I totally agree with, with with what you said. I see I totally see your point. But how how do we convince people, especially with nowadays channels of information? Because at the end of the day, everything comes down to education, information, visibility. It is not sexy to talk about what happens to that uh, Coca-Cola can after you after you drink it. You, we should have the power to communicate what happens. But nowadays, everyone lives in their echo chambers. So the meat eater, rare, I mean, it would be very weird that he stumbles upon this podcast and maybe changes changes <laughs> their view. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm, pr I'm probably, yeah. I mean, there is no good solution nowadays, not good reply to this question, but how do we break this uh, vicious cycle, circle of, you know, uh, us trying to convince people that are already convinced and uh, a stepping a step over the line to the people that really would that don't even spend time thinking about these things. Yeah. Or back to your, uh, you know, the, the Instagram follower you were talking about, who maybe think about these things but are misinformed, right? Or maybe yes. aren't like, um, maybe I'm giving her more credit than she needs. But uh, I agree with you. That is the million dollar question. And that's the hardest thing. And I still establish the hardest thing is the lack of tangibility. That is the hardest thing. I can, to, to most informed consumers who maybe even have an inkling or want to learn more, I can throw them, you know, 25 research papers on their relevant topic and yeah. and 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 there'll be science now that backs up most decisions roughly that we need to make, right? Um, sustainability is never black and white, by the way. We always know there's shades of gray in between, but I can I can inform myself about uh, myself about most subjects I need to to learn about, right? But the problem is still like I just I even if I I don't know start learning more about the end of life of a coke can right it's so i'm so removed and it's so intangible to me to make a better decision and connect myself to that better decision right and so i draw toward um again companies if i'm thinking a little bit more from the bottom up that what i, I tend to, i call them protagonists and we've talked about two right we've talked about tesla we've talked about sort of impossible and beyond and none of these are perfect again i'm not in any way implying any time that these things are perfect. But other examples are Patagonia, Ben & Jerry's, um, you know, Natura in, in Brazil. There's, there's companies that exist to demonstrate how you can do something differently. This, yep. is, this is, to me, 
this is what I get excited about and the way that I can kind of compute this problem, yeah. right, is like it's impossible to move the needle all at once at the beginning. It's impossible to change Coca-Cola from day one. It's impossible to shift everyone to electric cars, right? These, uh, those things are objectively true. It's impossible to do all those things. So like the way you can either end up in that situation, there's two ways you can end up in that situation. You can end up a massive pessimist, right? Because you say yes. it's non-popular. Or you just, you know, you, 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 well, you give up, right? Maybe that's the same thing. Um, but I tend to be drawn very strongly towards examples of what I call, again, protagonists. Of They generally start as small players, but they exist in their relevant industries yeah. to show how it can be done differently. You know that when initially when the Nike team sits together and discusses sustainability, you know the first thing they talk about is Patagonia, right? And, and, and they talk probably about how you can emulate some of what Patagonia is doing, learn from what they're doing, how can we scale it into what we do today? Like, you know that that's the fundamental of the conversation. You know that's the conversation in Volkswagen, right? Yes. You know that's the conversation in, in, in or the, the, that relevant balance is the conversation in many other industries. And so that's the kind of, like, I love that. Because, because to your, one of like the things you're getting at, right, those companies, they tend to try and show that it can be done differently. They don't talk, they show. They're never perfect. They yes. never have perfect environmental credentials, right? If you read a Patagonia sustainability report, more so at the beginning, less so now, they're becoming a little bit of a larger beast. But the narrative is one of like, we're not perfect, but we're getting better, right? And here's kind of how we're gonna get better, and here's like what we're trying to do. And so it's like, that's the way I feel like you should approach these things. What's really difficult sustainability at the moment is that the stakes are so high right like you know it's our survival on the planet or whatever it's this big 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 uh big uh, uh pressure we feel that's on us that you know we don't give ourselves the room to really experiment or say that you know it's okay to try something and get it wrong or you know that's like a a feeling we have in in the tech world right it's like iterate yes. try make it better iterate try make it better in many sustainability endeavors, it feels like an all or nothing, right? It feels like you've got to do, you've got to solve everything at once and you've got to be perfectly and have perfect integrity and get everything right. Um, and the truth is like, we know nothing really works that way. And these like little protagonist companies, I feel are ones that are kind of risk takers in the sense and quite honest about what they do, right? I agree. I think I love those companies that you mentioned. Um, it makes me think that Elon Musk is even more important than I already consider him to be <laughs> because Patagonia yeah. will sell to people that are already a little bit predisposed for, 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 the, for yes. that message. Yes. But the, the amazing thing about Elon Musk is because of, I don't know, how punk he is, how outrageous he is, how, how, how he can avoid giving a fuck about political correctness. He... Uh, it reaches a certain, let's say, center-right or Republican, deep Republican uh, audience in the United States, yeah. while being extremely liberal, if you yeah. think about it. So yeah. I think, the, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I want to say something in public that I say in private to, to whoever uh, wants to listen to me. I think that if we give the fucking Nobel Prize to Obama eh, while he was bombing, we should give at least three Nobel Prizes to Elon Musk because he's done everything he does is extremely important. Uh, I, I hadn't seen this angle until until you were talking. Mm. I hadn't thought about it. Uh, but man, Tesla no, doesn't need any comment. 
uh, SpaceX, mm -hmm. which is, I mean, he is landing rockets. We are talking now as if it was something normal. 20 years ago, it was something that was considered not possible. Correct. And he was the private he, sector and he's doing it economically. Yes. Because he, he's spending yes. his own money. Not only economically, crazy. he's doing it. It's like a, it's a factor of, uh, it's like 5x cheaper or something than uh, a rocket launch on SpaceX at the moment than it is. Exactly. Uh, for well, for equivalent cargo on another platform, right? He's doing uh, what Neuralink, which uh, is a different story. And what's the internet thing? Uh, the, the the I mean the Starlink. Starlink. Yeah. Neuralink. Yeah. Starlink. Yeah. Which can be the, the driven force for you know um, broadcasting information yeah. and allowing people from maybe central africa to catch up yeah. uh, in terms of uh, education and access to 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 the keys for progress as if you were living in iowa for example yeah. um on the perpetual aim to improve even though maybe we don't get to the perfect 100 solution i totally agree yeah. uh, I'll, I'll i'll share with you my view even on politics uh, when I discuss about you know maximal systems, I am, we haven't spent a lot of time together, but uh, we have discussed a lot. Filippo and I, I'm a total libertarian, mm -hmm. a little bit like Javier Millet in Argentina. <laughs> actually, I like a lot Javier Millet. Shout out to him. I would love to actually <laughs> interview you. Uh, you're just trying to get a, you're trying to increase likes on uh, on your podcast now, right? Mm, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I I know a lot of people will probably unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah. But I really like the guy. Shout out to Taylor Swift again as well. Yes, <laughs> please, everyone come here. And <laughs> but in real life, I'm a social democrat. Yeah, I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a social democrat because I think you need to come down to compromises, yeah. you know. And you know, there is what I think, there is what you think, and I'm gonna always try to g gain that one percent. Yeah. But you know, maybe be, uh, the libertarianism is not the perfect solution because it lives in a sort of way in a utopia but walking towards it is brings progress mm -hmm. so only having the the clear direction it's uh it's already a big step forward now big problem when it comes to this is what do we do with developing countries because you mentioned before mm -hmm. that africa represents i didn't know the number so thank you for bringing it up two percent of global aviation two percent of global air traffic yeah, yeah. global air traffic yeah what if now someone that is 10 years old in uganda mm -hmm. listens to us i mm -hmm. mean we actually we are not saying that but you know listens to someone saying you know we need to um, cut down on certain emissions that are bad uh, because it's bad for the environment we did it 60 years ago and we developed ourselves but now you cannot do it <coughs> because you know it's your turn how 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 can we avoid that maybe th there is no perfect answer for this either yeah. right? i mean you know it kind of gets back to to filippo teed this up at the beginning and i i agree with it right uh and and again i'm being a known hypocrite i'm asking to have my cake and eat it too right is i i don't believe that it is fair or right or just right to 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 limit uh the opportunity for economic development um in that in that sense right but um 
I think that you know the, the the classic way to look at this, and you 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 mentioned it already, is to say there's the opportunity for leapfrogging, right? So if there if a better solution exists already, and you have a situation where that solu that solution is being introduced for the first time or an early time, you have the opportunity to, to just do it better, right? And one thing that excites me when you look at um, let me just take the you know the the, the, the Sahara region and the, the Saharan nations, right? Is if you think about the possibility for like changing global dynamics, right? One massive resource they have is the sun. Yep. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, exploration in both, you know, fundamental science and then in politics about how you could explore that region becoming a net exporter of energy, um, of, of renewable energy, and that's that's that sort of stuff's interesting to me, right? Because then, you know, those nations could uh, be nations that, for example, could produce green hydrogen very cheaply and fuel uh, hydrogen-powered uh, planes. That was a bit of a tongue twister. Um, in th That's the kind of my nirvana way to look at it, right, is uh, there's, there's opportunities for um, just doing it better. Do I believe realistically that's going to happen, right, given the emotions of the world today? No, right? It's going to take progressive leadership for that to be true. But like at a fundamental level, that's kind of what I'm excited about, right? I think, you know, back to Musk really quickly. The thing that excites me about Musk is that he works basically just fun. He just works off first principles in science, right? Yes. The entire gen genesis of Tesla is just saying, okay, what is the most efficient way we can do road transportation? The most efficient way we can do road transportation is using electric motors powered by batteries. And like you invest in that idea before it's conceivable to do so like i have respect for that uh one thing that makes me uncomfortable about elon musk is we've written his uh, biography before uh, he's finished his work right so we don't know we don't quite know where he's gonna go yet but like that 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 first principles approach to sustainability is if we strip everything away for a second like what is the best thing to do what is the most efficient thing to do what is the best way to structure the system right electric car powered by solar and wind like let's build that right yeah if you apply that to the question of say uh developing a region right or a, or a, or an african nation or let me take that my saharan example again right that like first principles approach is like there's huge opportunity in that that's mm -hmm. what i was talking about again right where like there's we've forgotten sustainability got really boring right recently it became about reports and metrics and sustainability is technically it should be the most exciting time since the uh, industrial revolution or the digital revolution, or yes. you know both, right? It's it's a chance to reinvent and recreate and rethink, right? And it's like that kind of first principles and opportunity to leapfrog and do better. Yeah, that I think gives, if you structure it the right way, in my like Nirvana world, gives a lot of uh, uh, developing countries a leg up, right? If if they do it the right way, we saw this in telecommunications. We saw this in other ways too. Yeah. I have a very romantic idea about uh, about people in general. I think uh, if left alone, uh, people really can understand what's good for them. And you know, using analogies as we have in this podcast, I think people would choose the right way. Problem yes, is, problem is that nowadays uh, you don't know the flow of information that people received is tainted by corporate interests 
um, there was, uh, I, I listened to it, um, I think 15, 20 years ago, there was an interview with a philosopher that said, going back to basic principles, and yeah. and this is, the, the for me, is the origin of the problem, no? He said, you know, uh, a few centuries ago, we had to separate church from state. Mm-hmm. And it was, it seemed revolutionary. Now the challenge of today is to separate economy from state. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, and oh, then, like and yeah. uh, hey, this is basic principles, and like then, this. Again, I, d- I don't have the, the answer on how to do this, yeah. uh, apart from investing in education, which is something that, uh, in my opinion, is the contrary of what we are doing, even in the developed world, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of these new technologies and learn having iPads on the, on the classrooms and mm-hmm. everything, for me, they are distractions from the main principles. Mm-hmm. But uh, only by doing that, then we will allow people to, to make these choices, to actually say, okay, maybe um, we need to, for example, the best thing for Spain, in my opinion, would be to cut down on certain policies and to invest in education, and maybe even invest in the education of Morocco because they are our neighbors, mm-hmm. and we want to have a civil, a, a civil uh, neighboring country. This is a crazy idea. It's never going to happen because, you know. Doesn't sound that crazy. <laughs> As in, but it sounds crazy. But, yeah. but, but it sounds crazy, you know. And everyone kind of thought in this way, following Elon Musk's uh, uh, way of thinking, maybe we could we could uh, um, find a solution. So actually just discussing about this and doing it publicly and, you know, having people judging us for sure <laughs> online, yeah. even though they're going to be maybe 23 or yeah. 300, or maybe three thousand, because yeah. I'm sure that uh, I, I, I see you as a, I, I see you as right. an as an attention as an attention magnet. So <laughs> I'm very happy that you're here also for this. Uh, I think we're we're doing something uh, something right. Um, what about Hong Kong? Let me let me. I, I'm I'm gonna wrap up the part that I guide, and then I'm gonna give the epilogue the epilogue to to Filippo. But I want to, I want to um, ask you about something local. Wait, but c- before you do that, can you just say something? Of course. Um, off, off what you're saying, right, is, um, you know, you were almost arguing first principles are education, and I entirely agree with you, right? I uh, I had this incredible opportunity, like, uh, just a few, uh, two weeks ago or something, a friend of mine asked whether I'd come and teach her class of 10-year-olds about sustainable aviation. Yes. And, like, first of all, it was the most intimidating thing I've ever done, because I uh, never taught at that level before, didn't know how much they knew, but, oh, my God, did I leave with such, uh, like, I left with the bright eyes being like, this is the future, right? This is the future. The questions they were asking, the way they understood the principles, the way they understood the principles of climate change, the way that they were starting to think about solutions and asking very basic questions is, why can't you do this, mm-hmm. right? Why can't you do that? Um, and, and, and having the ability to break down some of the silos exists. I was so inspired, right? And I believe, like, yep, that's how you're going to move it. I believe that you... I, fundamentally believe in what you said too, right, is humans will make the right choice if it's given to them, right, if they understand it and if it's given to them. I believe that fundamentally that, you know, kids are the future and that's like where you're going to, where you're going to drive a lot of change because I also believe in human ingenuity and I'm going to tie back to cruise ships, right, is we can build cruise ships. Cruise ships are insane. We can build islands in the shapes of palms in Dubai, right, we can build tall buildings, we can we can build incredible cities and incredible infrastructure if if it's possible within the realm of physics i believe humans can do anything 
If you mm-hmm. put the incentives in the right place, they can do anything, right? We can develop sustainable fuels and, or we have developed, we can scale sustainable fuels, we can build hydrogen-powered aircraft, we can build electric aircraft to the degrees that are possible in, in the physical world, and we can change systems. But we need the incentives and the drive to do so, right? And mm-hmm. like fundamentally, that's going to come out of things like just getting more people curious, aware, and driven towards changing those things, right? Yeah. And that's like, yeah, push the kids to do it. Uh, we need to do as much as we can, push the kids to do it. They're going to do even better, right? They're gonna, we made cruise ships. We can do anything. A cruise ship should be actually the easiest to do because you know you could put a couple of nuclear power uh, engines space. Uh, and just have them go around but you know i don't know how many people would buy a cruise if they knew that you know they have a cup some some nuclear uh, <laughs> fuel in the I, th- I wouldn't i wouldn't give a crap i mean if the engineers tell me that it's safe i would do it but i know i'm weird I know I'm a little bit weird. Depends how strong your drive for virtuous signaling is, right? Like, well, eh, but you know, hey, how can we avoid virtue, uh, virtuous signaling? How how can we make it untasteful? I don't know that I believe that's a bad thing. Okay, fair enough. It comes back ag- again, like if I uh, to to a degree, to agree, I totally agree with you, right? But to a degree, if I again believe in the forces of capitalism, yes. right? as a partial solution to this, right? Capitalism has also given us way too much crap and is also, you know, a, a lot of the source of what the, 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 the challenge we find ourselves in now. But if I believe that it's important to make insulation sexy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I believe that there's a certain degree of virtuous signaling that comes with that, right? I agree that, you know, oh, your neighbors have nice panels. Maybe I should get panels. Or your neighbor's panels are nicer than mine. Maybe I should get those, right? Uh, your neighbor's electric car looks cool. Uh, maybe I should start thinking about that decision in my life too. I feel there's a degree of uh, virtue signaling that comes from just using the sex appeal of design or or uh, or, or of a more kind of um, a capitalist approach to solving some of these problems. There's probably a good thing, right? Uh huh. Which uh, yeah, I, I I see your point, and I and I and I'm open to change my opinion. I said before I hate virtue signaling, but now I I see your angle. Um, but if it's overblown or if it's based on yeah. hot air yes. or if it's based on again that like that like just silly paradox of like look how good I am but actually you know I'm 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 causing way more damage with the things you don't see then yeah I agree with you that's not how we should be running a world right? I li- literally you left me you left me speechless because I wanted I wanted to rebate it but then I'm running I'm running the, the counter replies in my head and, and I and I and I see you and I see your point and I see your point no uh, because solution. I've always thought that um, yeah stupidity was something worse than evil but maybe not it's a very good it's a very difficult question I was going to ask it before what do you think who do you think is worse and stupid or someone mean I, it goes back to it goes back to kind of what you were what we were saying before, right? Is it worse to know what you're doing or not worse to know uh, like worse to n- not know what you're doing? I think that whoever's not open to changing their mind is the worst one, right? If you're mean but you're open to changing your perspective, you get my credit. All right. Because I think the 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 most dangerous thing is the stagnance, right? So it's if you're if you if you have a particular view of the world or a particular view of a solution or a particular uh you know uh, allegiance uh, that you're never willing to cl- to question 
that I think is the most dangerous thing for, you know, the future of our survival on this planet, right? Yeah, Societally and uh, and environmentally. Yeah. Spot on. What do you think? <laughs> I think that um, communication and how we begin communication is going to be so critical, not just in terms of sustainability, but also in terms of political um, political discussions, in terms of depolarizing the world. Mm. You were raising some very important points about, you know, virtual signaling. Virtual signaling can be alienating. It can alienate people. Mm. That guy is really like. Well, we are screwed, um, but we d we but we d we touched a lot of things, and I and uh, at least to me, uh, this today's conversation gave me um, a lot of things uh, that I want to really spend time thinking about. Um, and I am going to try it, to write the book of good manners, which I like which, that idea. which yeah. I'll I'll share with you and I'll share I with like you. If you don't want to directly collaborate and four or six hands, at least to review and give yeah. me and give me critical points, because uh, this is something that uh, I started being obsessed with from the social media angle. Mm -hmm. But I think the sustainability one is 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 probably the second pillar that uh, we uh, that. that we forget about. I think the best manner my two cents is just curiosity right this whole question of uh do i know what to do right am i being greenwashed like uh you know is every sustainability decision in my purview being um directed by some big bad corp corporation or whatnot i think if you just have people who are curious right and who ask the questions who ask is this the best i could do or can i find out more about what happens to this coke can after the end of its life or can i think a little bit more about where my food comes from or should i you know, be a little bit more conscious about my travel footprint or whatever it may be. I think curiosity is one of the best manners that I can think of in this context, right? But you need, uh, yes, and you be need curiosity curious. with with uh, with foundations to to yes. to understand the complex problems. The other day, I had in front of me um, Edgar, a chef from mm -hmm. the Epicurean Group, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we share the the you know almost uh, recent fatherhood. Mm -hmm. uh, so we were talking about AI and uh, how that will influence education and the subjects that our children will study mm -hmm. in a few years. And I, and, I, and I said to him, in my opinion, 
we have to stop thinking about so much applied sciences mm -hmm. because so many things will be done by machines. Mm -hmm. We need to go back to the basic core subjects that we used to, that our parents used to study that we, I think, believe we were lucky to study mm -hmm. because, you know, more or less our age are, is the same. History, mm -hmm. philosophy, mm -hmm. uh, within philosophy, logic, mm -hmm. th things that Theories of knowledge create yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the structures in, a, in, our, in, our, in our brain to then ask the difficult questions, to then have in front of us a politician that, that is saying the right thing, vote, saying the stupidity, yeah. we don't vote. The, 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 the main problem um, with Trump, for example, and I'm doing this for for clickbait for sure. <laughs> no, but no. The, the, look, the, look at the camera. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> main, the main the 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 main problem that I have with Trump is that he treats people as idiots, and he gets away with it, mm -hmm. and that's the symptom of a sick society. And this mm -hmm. is this is the, this is the key problem, you know. Um, so yes, mm. uh, look, how 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 much time do you think we've done? Actually, to be honest, I've lost. Like this, lost you lost track for fifty minutes. It's almost an hour and a half. Uh, oh. So, what I'm gonna do? Yeah. Just for for uh, because we did a two hour and a half the other day, and the small audience were had a consensus in you know telling me to just keep to it a little to bit to more brief. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. I will do is. I'm going to give you the, the last word because I think it's a courtesy that I like to extend to my guest. Yeah. But before that, I want to thank you. I want to thank Filippo for coming back. It's super good to have you here again. And um, I can say that this has been one of the most uh, nicest conversations I had in the in recent times. So thank you for making it all the way here on a Sunday morning. Thank you, everyone. Uh, the sponsor is somewhere in the description. Just go there if you have to buy <laughs> some alcohol. Why not? .com .hk. Um, Oli. My last word is um, everything in sustainability seems so complex, so, um, you know, overwhelming to some extent, right? So difficult, so challenging. But my kind of framework, the way that I think is, is it easier than getting to the moon in the 60s? or at least massively faking that we got to the moon in the 60s. And uh, if that's true, then it means we can do it. Humans are capable of anything, of absolutely anything. If we put our minds to it, again, within the realms of physics, um, we are capable of anything. So that's kind of what excites me, right, is we live in this space of, of needing to reinvent, rethink. Um, and any challenge that might seem, you know, quasi-impossible, um, to me, is not if you just look at the history of what we've been able to do, right? So, that's yeah. my two cents. All right, thank you very much. Yeah. I love the I love the last message. It's been great. Yeah. Uh, thank you for bringing the thank plane. It's very thank nostalgic. You. Yeah. Everyone, uh, thank you. Subscribe, like, comment. You know, I I, I speak like if I was someone uh, important. I think I should just fucking stop saying these things. <laughs> um, <laughs> you are important. Enjoy. <laughs> you, will, you will listen to this on a Friday, so enjoy the weekend. Uh, yes. Thank you for, uh, for uh, staying, uh, making it to the end. Uh, talk soon. Ciao, ciao.